Welcome to Season 4 of Writers' Festival Radio, broadcasting from the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg. My name is Sean Wilson. I'm the Artistic Director of the Ottawa International Writers' Festival, Canada's festival of ideas since 1997. Thank you for supporting authors and booksellers and each other. My name is Nina Jandrisic, and I'm here today uh, talking with poet and my friend, Kanye Clayton, about her new book, But the Sun and the Ships and the Fish and the Waves, which is a feed dog book from Anvil Press, edited by Stuart Ross. Um, an imprint that is focused on surreal poetry, Kanye's book certainly fits the bill. It's a collection of prose poems of dreamlike sequences that are punctuated by reality and the speaker's struggle, struggle to acknowledge and discern the truth within it. Hey, Kanye. Hi, Nina. As I mentioned, um, it's a collection of dreamlike sequences, and in the acknowledgments, it notes that many of these poems um, are based on dreams. Is that that's right? Okay. It is. Most of them are my own dreams. One of them is my little sister's dream. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I decided to go rogue with that one. Um, but then some of them, the ones that are not prose poems, are kind of like intrusive thoughts or um, images or flashes of what are maybe memories or just images that kind of I can't get out of my head or kind of repeat or loop in my mind. And so what was the process of turning, like mixing these dreams, even like your sister's dream, yeah. <laughs> into po into prose poems for this collection? Um, so the ones that are my own dreams, I would wake up in the middle of the night and voice memo them usually into my phone and uh, then listen back in the morning and uh, write them down. And that was always pretty funny because what I voice memoed was usually just <laughs> pretty out there, uh, just trying to get the vibe down, random images. Um, some of what I would voice memo is directly in the book, some direct phrases and images, but then from there I would take pretty great liberties with that and I would add things and I would sometimes subtract, but usually not subtract usually kept everything that I had voice memoed and just kind of built a little bit of a world and took some creative license and built on the kind of symbolism that my dream had gifted me with uh, into these little surreal vignettes. Yeah. So they're kind of far from the dreams originally, or do you read them again and you still like remember that dream? It, it depends on the poem. Some of them are, I can read them and I'm very much taken back to that dream like there's one poem realities which is about playing marimba in an all-woman band in like these pink bikinis that is like very much directly I remember that dream so directly um because I woke up laughing at <laughs> that dream um but then some of them are just based on like maybe I woke up with one or two images and then I built the poem off of that um and so they're more based on a bit more of a waking, a waking kind of building on that dream logic than necessarily the dream itself. And so, yeah, like I've done this practice before. Mm -hmm. It's really fun. I don't do voice memos. I'll like type yeah. them as I wake up and they sometimes don't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone like has different ideas of like what dreams mean um, to them. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, like after having gone through this process and spent a lot of time thinking about dreams, what, what do dreams signify for you or how do you think about them I so for this project I think I was thinking a lot about like what we think about 
how we define what real is. Um, and for me, dreams feel very real and they feel very valid emotionally. And I think a lot of the process of this book and my dreams in general, it's about validating the emotional truth of my dreams. And, um, and yeah, so for me, dreams are kind of like revealing revealing a truth about something inside of me to myself. Um, maybe not super directly, but I feel like my dreams are always trying to like uncover uncover something to me. Yeah. And um, in writing this book, like, has it changed how like has it changed how you dream? That's like my biggest mm. curiosity. Mm. I barely remember my dreams now. It's oh. very strange. I like went through a phase when I started this project where I was clearly remembering my dreams all the time. And I was obviously having very vivid, very intense dreams for several years. And some of these dreams were lucid dreams where I was waking up and I was, I was having these lucid dreams and it was a very intense period of time. And then it came to a very natural conclusion when I just kind of stopped remembering my dreams and I stopped writing this book and it all kind of happened like when it felt like it was supposed to. And I still remember my dreams sometimes, but I don't, yeah. And I don't really miss it right now. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like my subconscious like needed to tell me something in that way <laughs> for a couple <laughs> years and now it like needs a break. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm sure it's trying to tell me something in a different way right now. And maybe I'm not listening, but <laughs> So everything is revealed about Kanye Clayton in this book. I mean, honestly, that's it's this book feels really vulnerable. Uh, and it's a bit freaky. <laughs> it's a bit scary of a book to publish, to be honest. I um I do feel like when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this feels very vulnerable. Even though none of this stuff happened at all. Um, it feels very emotionally true. Um to my experience and so yeah I do think it is very revealing about my internal life <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean you touch on some like uh some hard things I mean yeah. you open your book by with this dedication which is for anyone with dark dreams and question memories I believe you mm -hmm. um can you talk a little bit about who you're talking to with yeah. that address um I think in that address, I'm talking to anyone who has undergone domestic violence or gendered violence or sexual assault and had their memories or their experience questioned when they tried to tell the truth about them or even when they tried to tell the truth about their experiences to themselves. Um, because a lot of this book is, I think, me as I said before, trying to like validate dream worlds as, as real and as valid. And then by proxy, all internal experience as, as being valid. Um, Cause I do think that, that for me, this, those things are kind of inseparable. Um, and that my, my own kind of traumas and question memories play out really clearly in in my dream world. And so yeah, this book is, I think, 
I really do mean that dedication, like for all people who have felt questioned and felt like they don't even trust their own memories because, because they have felt, felt not believed, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm stumbling over my words because it's a bit of an emotional topic to talk about, but I, I don't know. I mean it. I do believe you. Yeah, no, and I think, like, throughout the collection, like, you know, I mentioned there's, like, this struggle with, like, acknowledging reality or trying to mm-hmm. figure out what the truth is in it. And, like, throughout these prose poems, so there's mostly prose poems, but there's these little yeah. bit of, like, lyric or more traditional poems where the, the words or the, the story is sort of spread out across the page. Um, and in those, for the most part, there's, like, these striked out sections mm-hmm. that also appear in some of the prose poems as well. Um so I was wondering, like, for me, that's, like, kind of that reality intruding in. Mm-hmm. But maybe you also mentioned that, like, these are not just dreams, but also fragmented ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how that came together, like, the style and maybe, like, the dreams and and the fragmented ideas you were talking about earlier. Well, in a very practical way, that came together because after I submitted the first version of this book to Stuart, um, it wasn't quite finished like it wasn't quite long enough but I knew I really wanted this book to be with Stuart at Feed Dog um and so I only submitted it to him hoping that he would (laughs) accept it and he did and I'm very grateful for that um and he got back to me and was like I think we maybe consider adding another element to this um it doesn't it's not quite long enough we need like let's try to add a little bit more like think about what that could be and so this idea came to me to add these like little snippets and I wasn't sure what that would look like. So I kind of just like sat with that for a couple months and then I started just writing down these moments when I was feeling triggered by my own um, CPTSD and like these thoughts that I was having and not always moments of being triggered, but sometimes just like weird, (laughs) weird images that would come into my head that I couldn't get out that I would that I would just like get a little bit stuck on and I was jotting those down. And then over the next few months, I realized like this would work really well within the interplay of this book um, because they do feel surreal and they do feel like they occupy that same universe of that kind of internal space and these, these moments that kind of popping up within you that you can't, you can't like subside and you can't push down. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? I think I kind of went off in a different direction. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. for sure. <laughs> it definitely does. Like, it's interesting. I'm like, now I'm like, I want to reread the book yeah. and be like, okay, what's your dream? And what is Kanye's inner thoughts and yeah. imagery? Because, yeah, the imagery is super rich in these. Like, they mm. do feel very dreamlike in, like, the surreality. I have super vivid dreams mm. where, like, crazy things happen. Um, like this yeah. <laughs> so I was like oh I really am like this is very similar to what I've yeah. jotted down um, but then other ones that are like there are some differences between mm-hmm. them which flows really nicely um, so it's a very enjoyable read thank you though also I mean it goes from this like airy surreal mm-hmm. dreamingness to you know a very like dark what I think of as like bodily surreal yeah. um, and there's really like I found there was a really big shift, like, in that, like, last third or portion of the book that sort of foreshadowed early on, which I thought was an interesting place to put the dark shift. In the the back of the book? 
Yeah. In the back of the book. <laughs> yeah. It comes about like almost unexpected. Mm. Um, and then it, it ties up very quickly. Mm. So in terms of like structuring a prose poem collection, like, and like along the themes we talked about, yeah. what was... I don't know. How did you post? And like you reordered the book essentially for Stuart. So how did that come together? I think that, well, my thinking there was a, there is, there is like some pretty violent moments (laughs) in this book. And I think I didn't want to start the book off too violently (laughs) Um, because that could be quite off putting, I think to some people. And Um, so I think I wanted to ease people in to my little universe a bit first. Um, the other thing is I, I feel like in these moments where things kind of turn dark in, in my own dream world and in my own kind of experience with CPTSD, which I do feel like what I, what I'm really kind of trying to do in my own thinking with this book is is not necessarily mimic what having CPTSD feels like, but that is when I read this book, it does, that's what it feels like to me, um, is it's very, it feels very sudden. And sometimes like you're going, you're going through and then this like really dark shift happens and things kind of take you off, off guard a bit. And yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe that was, where it, where it comes from a bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I think putting them at the end wasn't necessarily like a, a conscious, like, I'm going to put these at the end just to like, so they're not necessarily at the beginning, but it was, uh, I didn't want them at the, I didn't want them at the start, but it wasn't like, I'm going to put these at the end on purpose. That's just where they felt like they belonged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely, yeah, it feels like you do get there. Yeah. And yeah, knowing a bit more about the collection before yeah. I read it. Yeah. I was, like, waiting for it. And yeah. then I was like, oh, these are so nice. And, uh, yeah, strange little dream bits. And then it, yeah, then it got really into more what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because there's also, like, these, like, kind of funny and almost, like, happy and hopeful moments before some of the darker ones. And I think that is important to me to show, too, that, like, it's not... <laughs> It's not just like dark all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of levels yeah. that you experience, yeah. even if you're like dealing with CPTSD. Yeah. 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 Was that, and is that, you mentioned that there's like a vulnerability in these poems. Is that where it comes from for you? Or like you talk about your family a lot as well, often in very yeah. surreal places, which may be connected to CPTSD mm. or not. I'm not sure, but. With my, the stuff with my family, I don't know if it's as connected to the um, the post-traumatic stress stuff and more just connected to, like, to love. <laughs> I just love my sisters so much. And um, I think they just are, like, such a deep part of me that, like, it, they show up in my dreams so much. And this fear of, like, losing them or of not being connected with them, I think, is one of the biggest fears I have in my life. And I think that shows up through my collection (laughs) a lot. Just this fear of not, not being connected with my sisters. Yeah. You also talk about your mom. Yes. I talk about mom a lot. Which, yeah. And also, yeah. Cars, which for me, it was very triggering. You know my story, which you will not get to know listeners, but (laughs) 
um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting as like these recurring moments throughout the collection as well. Yeah. Yeah. My, the car thing surprised me a little bit when I went back and read it. I was like, oh, there's a lot of cars in here. But then when I thought about it too, my older sister was in a pretty bad car accident right around the time I was starting to write this collection. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I think that that kind of permeated its way through, through this collection. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a collection of the subconscious. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Writers Festival Radio. As always, I want to thank you for listening and for supporting authors and booksellers through these difficult times. Our official bookseller is Perfect Books on Elgin Street, and wherever you are right now, there's an independent bookseller nearby who would be more than happy to sell you some great books. If you enjoy the podcast or any of our virtual programming, please consider making a charitable donation. We can't do this without your support. And now, back to the conversation. Maybe you could read to us from like the later part of the book where it does kind of give us that little bit of a shift. Sure. I'll read uh, two poems that go back to back with one another. So this first one is called Transmission. Everyone else is scared, but I enter the water. The animal is translucent, his veins mapping poison. Don't let it touch you, they scream ducking behind fences. I know my flesh will rot, but I trust that toothless mouth. See, I am not afraid. His skin will disintegrate from continuous contact. We are both soft. Don't worry, he's just pawing up my leg. We are both intact. Calm down, I'm being careful. I am not afraid. Nature simply forgot his organs. Nature forgot my fear. If you maintain eye contact throughout an assault, the taint can't pass the blood-brain barrier. Did you know that? Did you know that even though I screamed and pulled away as he bit my calf and my legs are turning gray, that I have never been afraid? Cloud. Light entered the hallway from all sides. I could only see your outline. Still, a premonition. The way light would enter you would leave your body's outline on the floor. Still, light. Still, ash. Still. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you. Um, I mean, one thing people will notice like when they're reading the collection and when mm-hmm. they look at the cover, is it, it is both light, light mm. and water, yes. which I think is actually captured super well in mm. those two poems you read, mm. um, which, yeah, there's a like Gabriel Garcia Marquez story called Light Like Water, I think. Ooh, I love um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Anyway, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And it's like one of his stories that always sticks with me. Um, so I'm curious to like, uh, I'm curious to know about like your connection between like light and water. Mm. Um, both in these poems and maybe we can talk about the book cover because I'm a sucker for book covers. I love this cover. Um, okay, so I'll go with the first part of that question, This all, which I guess it all kind of ties together. Um, light and water. The light, one thing that light makes me think of in this collection is like light coming in through 
windows and through curtains, which is an image that comes up a lot in this book and in my dreams. And one reason for that is um, this image of my mom's bedroom where she always had the curtains drawn. And this image of my mom drawing the curtains in her bedroom, again, comes up a lot in this collection. Um, so that that's one thing, and I'll just put that there and then go to this water thing, and I'll come back to the cover. Okay, so then, <laughs> then so for water, um, I think I'm just a big sucker for water imagery. Yeah. <laughs> it comes up a lot. It does, and <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of drowning. <laughs> there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of oceans and lakes and like like you said, beasts in water. Um, I don't know. I think water just permeates our lives so much. I, it feels kind of inescapable, and it's one of those things. I think, I think water is. It's both something that sustains us and could kill us. And I think that everything in the title is also something that is. Could be something really good or it could be something that that kills you <laughs> and and so i think that that kind of interplay between between something being a threat or something being something that helps you is is kind of the crux of this book where where things everything's going fine and then that that turn happens um yeah which is a lot of kind of how the world feels and my internal life feels sometimes you're going along and then that shift happens um so then for the the cover um to go back to the kind of light and the window so I when I talked about the cover design um all I sent to the um all that I sent to the designer was this idea. I was like, I want some water-based imagery, some blue-green theme, and I want it to be sort of ominous undercurrent, but like not not like not like super ominous, like in your face. Mm. <laughs> and and this is what they sent back. And and I was so taken aback because the poem, there's a poem in here called The Light in Her Bedroom, which is about my it's the most direct poem that is about my mom's bedroom and that poem was not in the collection at the time um and I had not mentioned this I had not mentioned curtains I had not mentioned a bedroom I had not mentioned anything to the designer and he came back with these curtains blown open and the light coming in and it literally like made me cry when I saw it because it looked exactly like what I have in my mind in this poem and and I then I realized that that poem which was on my album with Nathaniel Larchette that I released in 2018, which is for my mom, mm -hmm. um, was actually the first dream poem that I ever wrote. I woke up from a dream that I had about my mom's bedroom where like light flooded the room and I woke up and I wrote it. And then I was like, oh my God, that was the first, that was actually the first poem I wrote for this collection. And how did I not realize that until I saw this cover? And, and it was just this really like intense moment. And I emailed Stuart and I was like, this poem, and it was very <laughs> late in the game. Like we were coming up with the cover. We had done the edits and everything. And I was like, I need to put this poem in the book. Like, this is really important to me. And he was like, yep, that's fine. And so I like also had to kind of like reformat it to like fit, because it wasn't done in a way that like fit the book. Mm -hmm. So I redid it and it worked really well. And anyway, that was a pretty weird moment, um, but I'm really glad that 
that all happened in that way because it feels really right. Yeah. yeah, your like subconscious was like is that weird? Really is throughout that the book, like everyone <laughs> in the process tapping into Kanye's. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I think that that's so crazy. That is crazy. That's really weird. I mean, and freaky. Yeah. But like in a really cool way. Yeah. Especially like at the end of your your writing process. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that question because I wanted to say that, but I had forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why we're here. We're taking the time, we're taking the space. Well, you had a collection come out in 2020. Yeah. Um, we shed our skin like dynamite, which won the Ottawa Book Award. Yeah. Um, and it was for those who have not read it, which you should. It's a great collection. Um, I mean, it's a more like traditional poetic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was, like, why the prose poem? Like, why did you take it on? Yeah, it's a very unique one. And for listeners who aren't familiar, prose poem looks more like a paragraph than anything spread out on the page. I think this project, to me, like, called for prose poems, just, like, intuitively, because the content of the poems were so surreal that it needed, like, a... A very grounded container um, to kind of just like hold it to to hold it in, and I also think that um, just like as a vessel, like grammatically, that I that I was drawn to that for these because I think I wanted to just be able to use very straightforward language and straightforward structure to just express what I was trying to say and not. Because, again, like, also emotionally it felt so loaded that I didn't want to have to worry so much about about um, my line breaks and my punctuation and all of that stuff. I really just wanted to be able to focus on on the kind of little stories I was trying to tell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then in, you know, in your second poem, which is called Related, there's a line yeah. um, that says, Trust only the beasts in the water, the ones that bury themselves in sand all winter. Which I think is from an earlier chapter. It is, okay. yes, yes. Which one was it again? Trust I... only the beast in the water. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I mean, in this this collection, a lot of your work, like beasts, not just water beasts, yeah. like occur a lot. Um, like, That's true. I don't know. This hedgehog. There's a there's one line with this hedgehog. Yeah. Um, and it's like a phone. Yeah, the hedgehog becomes the phone becomes a hedgehog, and then it like eats my skin, and my skin falls off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's like these bugs in the skin of the speaker as well. Yeah. An eel bites my arm off. Oh, yeah, I like the eel one. That's yeah. definitely one of those in the water. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm wondering like, like, there's a lot going on in these poems. Like, there's a lot of story, there's a lot of people, but these animals, mm. these beasts really stuck out for me. And like sometimes they're kind and sometimes they're mm. omens. Like, well, there's, there's a, a nice fox. I forgot about the nice fox. Thing. And there's a crow that's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of nice. Kind of nice. <laughs> it does die, but <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean it's mean. As crows do, I suppose. As we all do. Uh, true, true. That's true. Death does not make us mean. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm wondering how you like think of, of these animals. Like, like when they show up in your dreams, do you think anything mm. about them? Maybe we can start there. I think a lot about them, but I that is a great question. I mean, I love animals just in general, and I do think... I think if I, I like, I am not super attached to the statement that I'm about to say, but I think if I were to give myself any sort of 
spiritual label, I would say that I'm kind of an animist a little bit, Okay, um, but I'm not incredibly attached to, to that. I'll probably change <laughs> my mind about that by the time we, by the time we finish this podcast. <laughs> but I, I, I think that, I don't know, animals mean a lot to me and I think that they're very wise and I think that they have a lot of things to teach us. And I think that in my dreams, they are trying to also teach me a lot of things. So I think that um, even when they're biting my arms off, I think that they're carrying some sort of message that I'm trying to, to listen. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really have a bigger answer than that because I think they're all pretty individual. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you put them in your poems... Is it because they were there in the mind or like, is it Hmm. like in the subconscious or like, do you consciously place them? I think, let me, let me think about the individual poems for a second. Yeah. At least for this collection, obviously you also have animals in your other poems. Like, yeah, for this collection, I'm pretty sure that most of the animals as they appear did appear in my dreams and that they were often the impetus for the poem. Like the eel one, that is the, like the eel biting my arm off as I stood in a pond. That is like what I woke up remembering. Mm. And then I built the rest of the poem around that. Okay. The hedgehog one, definitely the hedgehog phone. I thought was in the dream. <laughs> um, the, I'm pretty sure the crow, yeah, I think most of them were in the dream. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I inserted them. No. Okay. <laughs> There's all visitors yeah, yeah. To, to your subconscious. Many animal visitors, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I highly encourage anyone who is interested <laughs> in how animals can be read into the subconscious, pick up this book. Um, <clears throat> they're very fun, and the hedgehog is, like, totally worth it. Um, so you're launching this book in 2022, and yes. We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite came out just before the pandemic, or right as the pandemic was picking up. Yeah, right in May 2020. May 2020, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were really happy to have you launch your book for Riverbed. Yeah, um, that was on, such a pleasure. That was great. Yeah, online, which was awesome. Yeah. But now, you know, things are a bit more open. Like, how do you feel about, like, having these two books now together? Like, are they related? Do you see mm-hmm. them that way? I know you've talked about kind of this book launch is, like, your real first book launch. And the two books maybe come together in that. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like they're related in that they're both sort of still being released during a pandemic. Yeah. But, but I do, I am having a real life book launch for this one uh, in a couple of weeks, which I'm very, very pumped about. And I am calling it my kind of double book launch. And so I have never ever read in real life in front of real humans, uh, a poem from, we should have skin like dynamite. So I'm going to read at least one poem from that just to be like, I did it and it's real. <laughs> but it is really more of a launch for for uh, for the sun and the ships and the fish and the waves. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like they're related in that way, like as far as their release is being close. But I don't really feel like they're related like in... They're related in subject matter a bit, obviously, but as far as like artistically, they feel very, very different and they feel very separate. Yeah. You talk about why? They feel like, like we should have just been like dynamite. I wrote such a long time ago, mostly. I wrote it 
like from some of those poems I wrote in 2009 and wow. then the last some of them I wrote in like 2016 2017 but the majority were wrote from like 2019 to 2013 and then I pulled some from later years when it got picked up for publication and then this collection I wrote the majority of the poems from 2017 through 2020 so it feels like it feels like a representation of me now as an artist whereas that book felt like me trying to like represent a full decade of myself which is impossible to do and <laughs> and felt like I'm very proud of that book but it still felt like it still felt a bit strange because it felt like it represented such a vast amount of time that it felt almost I don't know I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but it just felt almost impossible of a task to accomplish like I was asking too much of time of that book to try mm. to represent Whereas this one feels more contained, and um, and I appreciate that about it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So you yeah. still feel? I mean, I've heard other people talk about their books, especially poetry, and they're like, because of the amount of time it takes from like a book to go from being accepted or being written, yeah, being submitted, being accepted, mm -hmm. and then being published. They're like, this book doesn't even feel like me anymore. Yeah. So, but you still feel that this new book is you. I really do, and that's a nice way to feel like. Because I only, like, stopped writing the prose poems in, yeah, like, in 2020. And then these interruption bits, I was still writing through 2020 and maybe even through some of 2021. And so it still feels very fresh. And um, editing was still going on through last year. And the process with Stuart has been, like, very ongoing and... Um, it hasn't been this like, like arduous, long thing. It's been pretty quick and mm -hmm. it's felt very fresh. Yeah. So that's been nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, and now this is coming out. You've mentioned you're doing the launch. You've talked yes. a little bit about, I mean, you did a straight reading for us, mm -hmm. um, but you've mentioned you're going to be incorporating perhaps some other ways of reading it. Yeah, so I was thinking about, I've done some stuff with like loop, loop pedals in the past, and I've been thinking about a way to incorporate this kind of inter the interruptions into my reading. And the interruptions are these striked yes. out lines. Yes, the interruptions, and that's what I'm calling them, because um, I can't think of anything else to call right, them. Right, So yeah. I, that's what makes sense to me, um, is these little like not prose bits. Um, a way to incorporate them into the reading somehow. Um, so I'm working on something where I record a little thing with a loop with them and then they will literally interrupt me as I'm reading other poems. Um, nice. yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I'll do that for my, my real life lunch in Ottawa, but I think I'm going to try to do that for my virtual lunch next week. So we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's super exciting. Someone who also works with a loop pedal yeah. to see more of that <laughs> happening. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so Tanya. much. That was Nina Jane Dristick in conversation with City of Ottawa Book Award winner Conyer Clayton about her new collection, But the Sun and the Ships and the Fish and the Waves, which is just out from Stuart Ross's imprint at Enville Press, Feed Dog Book. 
Thanks to all our patrons, volunteers, and donors. And thanks to the Government of Canada, the Government of Ontario, the City of Ottawa, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, Ottawa Public Library, Carleton University, and CBC for their ongoing support. This podcast is produced by Aaron Flynn, original music and sound engineering by Mike Dubé. Kira Harris is our program director, and I'm Sean Wilson. Thank you.